We continue our look around the Pacific Coast League with baseball broadcasters talking baseball. I'm Doug Greenwald, and we're joined by a man who has uh, called just about every home game in the history of AutoZone Park for the Memphis Redbirds, and that's uh, Steve Selby. And uh, Steve, uh, first of all, how are you and uh, Rhonda and your family holding up during this Well, Doug, time? thanks for having me on, and uh, we're all good. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, family time is a great thing, and we're all healthy, and our family's well, and we hope the same is for you out on the West Coast. Yeah, much appreciated. And uh, I mean, you've done this uh, broadcasting professional baseball beginning in 1986. Um, and just like all of us, the routine is April and May being out at a ballpark on a spring night into the heat of the summer and almost to the end of uh, the summer to early fall. Uh just obviously it's a strange feeling what have you been up to uh when you should be at a ballpark how are you i can tell you what's funny and we all kid about after a month or two of a season we don't know what what day of the week it is i lost track what day of the week it was the first week of april i think because we're such creatures of habit like the like the uh, ball players are and uh, i kid with my wife we keep thinking every day is saturday although she's the one working and i'm not but uh it's it's just very strange and uh it's, uh, I'm not that, you know, when your hobbies are things like golf and people related things or going to the gym, you can't do that now either. So, uh, probably watching too many, uh, episodes of law and order, truth be told. <laughs> All right. Well, you're the first who's given me that answer about uh, watching, uh, law and order. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I know MLB network is showing a lot of the old baseball games, uh, portions of I'm watching it, just not the. Uh, not the same of being out there on a, a nightly basis and the ballpark that you've been to the last uh, 20 years uh, certainly one of the best in uh, all of the land and AutoZone Park uh, what do you remember about the early days of uh, this new phenomenon of a downtown stadium in Memphis? well I can remember walking in there on April 16th 2000 for the opening game uh, Tom Stocker, the voice of the team at the time, was going to do the telecast. And so I was brought in to do the radio. And I remember walking in. I go, my gosh, this is a major league ballpark. Everything about it was major league. And uh, and then you go, okay, well, this is the minor leagues. We'll see how this thing goes tonight. And then there's nearly 15,000 standing room in in, uh, in the park that night. And, and I go, wow, I think I could get used to this. And 20 years later, we're still doing it. Yeah, it's, uh, of course, Fresno generally comes every other year. You know how much I love, and I think I'll speak for all the broadcasters, uh, love coming to do games at uh, your stadium. I mean, there's been some improvements to the ballpark over the years, but for the most part, it's it's all the same. And uh, one of the facets among many I love about your stadium, you just mentioned Major League, is your booth and the visitor's booth and the press box. I mean, uh, generally the minor leagues, even AAA, at a high level, the minor leagues, the booths aren't huge uh, but you really have a big league level. yeah we've got you know they did it dean jernigan the founder of the club did it right he wanted everything to be major league and that included the broadcast property so for a number of years we had two full-time broadcasters which was terrific uh major league broadcast equipment which isn't always the case in, in the minor leagues and room to set it up the right way and sight lines that were great and and uh, man i gotta tell you what uh, we're pretty spoiled here yeah, without uh, without a doubt, and I know.
I have lost you. There you go. You did games from there. I I never got to see Tim McCarver Stadium. I feel deprived. Uh, I know a lot of people cited this much, but uh, you and still saw sweat. games there. They had the artificial turf uh, uh, infield. You know what, uh, Tim McCarver Stadium. Concrete what dugouts the old that were only yeah. a few feet deep, so it held the heat in. <laughs> and so that was miserable there. And then you go up to the press box, usually uh, by the end of the third inning on a standard, you know, June or later on in the season night, you'd sweat it through your britches. So it was a miserably, miserably hot. And, of course, you had the FedEx planes. It was like being at uh, Shea Stadium in LaGuardia. It was the planes were right on top of you. Yeah, that's what I heard uh, about all the the sweat and the, the heat and, of course, AstroTurf uh, as well. And, uh, yeah, as I said, I never got to see – I love ballparks and, uh, there. So you've spent much of your years at Greer Stadium. Uh, I did get to see Greer Stadium. Not much to Greer Stadium, obviously a much better place they have now. But uh, uh, that, that ballpark, uh, I always thought it was, it was a good broadcast vantage point at Greer. Lost you, Doug. Uh, but what memories do you share of Greer? No, there you are. There you are. Uh, okay. Well, it was my, you know, I, uh, it takes me a long time to get to AAA, so you have I was excited Greer. to be there. And at the time, it, it seated like 18,000, 19,000 fans, so it was huge. And, of course, it had the big guitar scoreboard out there, which is why I called it the big guitar. Very creative, as you can imagine. And, uh, just was excited about it, and and uh, I, you know, I I liked the fly, and I had never flown much prior to then. So you get the AAA, you get to fly a lot. Of course, now I just assume get in my car and drive a hundred miles. But uh, Greer Stadium was just this big thing, and for the uh, uh, well publicized owner of the team, Larry Schmidto, he was an interesting, fascinating man to work for, and uh, really had uh, a, a tremendous time in Nashville. It's a great city, and basically that's where I started raising my family. Yeah, that is a fun place. I mean, both cities you've been, uh, at least the AAA, uh, a lot of fun, Nashville. and uh, Well, uh, it's, it's funny. I'm not so, the, uh, the, the biggest barbecue, barbecue fan, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty big on the Central Barbecue. My whole family is a Central Barbecue family. And, uh, you know, can't go wrong there. Uh, I know Central Barbecue right next to the Civil Rights Museum and uh, uh, the location where the visiting teams stay. You have everything right there. Beale Street, the ballpark, all the, the fun barbecue places. Uh, of course, Gus's Fried Chicken. I mean, it's. Uh, I think Memphis uh, definitely has the best eating city. Uh, no doubt about uh, uh, that. And, uh, no, I was... Uh, looking forward to my visit. You got you got to let uh, me interrupt here, Doug. I got to take in, care uh, of our sponsor in uh, June, but uh, which we get to smell maybe. their barbecue throughout the course of a ball game. And uh, you know, we're known really across the country uh, more than the baseball thing. Then uh, people say your barbecue nacho place, right? Uh, the rendezvous. You know, I can suggest Central Barbecue to a lot of people, but they usually want to go to rendezvous first.
Yeah, absolutely. Been right next to the ballpark. And uh, that's a, I've been, of course, whenever I'm in, I'd say whenever I'm in, but a lot of trips I have made to Memphis. Uh, I definitely hit the rendezvous and open late after a game. And it's old school Memphis. You got to go right in the middle of an alley to uh, to get there down the stairs and uh, that. And, uh, you know, people can go right from the Peabody Hotel to see the Ducks, to have a drink at the bar there, over to the rendezvous, over to, you know, the next day over at Gus's. I mean, there's just so many places to eat down. And when, when, uh, Doug, the, when the people Blues mention ambiance and you've covered Beale Street and the alleys and all the places right there, there. Uh, when the ballpark first opened, you had the aroma, depending on the wind blowing, you either had the smell of the barbecue coming from behind home plate to the Wonder Bread plant and the fresh bread, the wind blowing the other way coming in from right field, you would have that. So it was it's quite a combination. Oh. Uh, uh, either you know but Steve every you know ballpark you go into there's always what I like to say the different at your ballpark uh, where you have uh, uh, JJ whose last name I still can never pronounce but he is Mr. Uh, Memphis Baseball JJ Ganozo or uh, Giozo uh, JJ uh, Ganozo uh, JJ is the legend when it comes to all and I'm going to use the term all here JJ Ganozo and I should know that I've only known him 17 years but I always just call him JJ but uh, he writes books about the history of professional baseball in Memphis that goes back to the late 1800s. I think so does J.J. I've kidded with him about that. Uh, but you name the event in Memphis, whether it be the Liberty Bowl or University of Memphis football or the Redbirds or the Grizzlies or, uh, you know, even expanding to Ole Miss. Uh, he is an institution, uh, just an absolute knowledge of the rules of the game. And I mean, and you know what? Minor league ballparks across the country have people like JJ. They're unique personalities. They're associated with 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 uh, the franchise. You know, some places it's a bat boy. Sometimes it's an usher. You know, Buffalo's got the uh, conehead guy there, and and uh, the Earl of Bud, and you know, everybody's got a personality to a ballpark, and that's why minor league baseball is special and very very unique. Yeah. Sir Reynolds. Don't worry, us visiting broadcasters know her. I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that, Doug. Um, talking about uh, another face we see in Memphis all the time. Uh, loves her Redbirds to know. Yeah, Melissa Reynolds, uh, she runs the place. She's, uh, if, if you talk to the Cardinal Brass or any scout coming through, they don't ask about how the team's playing first. They don't ask about uh, the manager. They don't ask about me. Uh, they ask yeah. about Melissa. I mean, she's the one we all sign in.
Yeah. And, uh, no, it's, uh, and she's great. I mean, uh, you know, maybe she doesn't do it to you because you're there every day, but she'll send, uh, she'll text me the menu for the food lineup, uh, two weeks before I <laughs> get to Memphis. She's too efficient. I usually forget what the menu is by the time I get back to the ballpark because she's so far ahead of the game for us, but you know, She's uh, invaluable, and most of the things she does for all of us are not part of her job description. She just likes being there. Yeah, no, she definitely loves her uh, uh, loves her Redbirds. Here's Steve Selby, uh, voice of the uh, play-by-play voice of the Memphis uh, Redbirds. Uh, Steve, uh, mentioned your career goes back almost 35 years of uh, professional baseball broadcasting. The Kinston Eagles, not the Kinston Blue Jays, not the Kinston Indians, but the Kinston Eagles, uh, 1986. Uh, your booth no, there, it I was know, a uh, wooden press Park. box that didn't, uh, and the individual sections didn't have doors to them, and it was wide enough to put your uh, your audio board there, and that was uh, about it. Uh, we were a, a co-op team. We did not have a major league affiliate. So we were vagabond, rags to riches kind of guys. And and uh, it was an adventurous first year of uh, working a professional baseball from, from that setup to driving the bus. Uh, I should I should have taken notes because I'd had a great book. Yeah, you've mentioned that story. Um, you had to be the bus driver with the whole this season. All season it was part or was of the like a, a fill-in trip. So you, as the radio guy, were responsible for yes. thirty bodies. I mean, that's that's a whole. As you just said, that's a whole different book. I mean, we've had to do a lot of things, and I, I say we, not just you and. Uh, I've had to do a lot of things, but, uh, I mean, I think all of us, I mean, I had to answer to a, a, a groundskeeper in Burlington, Iowa, who's by far and away the worst person I've ever dealt with in baseball, where he would make me clean toilets. And... and all that. Anyone to well, neither was I, and I got to uh, road test this uh, 1962 double clutch Ford bus 30 minutes before I went to the DMV to get my license. So uh, they made a grave mistake by giving me a license that afternoon. <laughs> 